Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Farmers have seen some messed up things. Come on over to my old lonely farm, and I'll tell you all about it. This is Darkness Prevails, the place where you share your true stories with the world. Because this world is a strange one. Farms can be incredibly creepy places. They're big and often lonely, and they're filled with wildlife within and without. Imagine working alone on a farm, away from civilization. What sounds would you hear at night? What would you see between the nearby trees? Enjoy these allegedly true stories about farmers and creepy farms. And remember, you can always send me your stories with the links in the description. And real quick, here are the first five commenters for my Animal Encounters video. Amy LaCrosse says, yay, 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 you posted. That's exactly how I feel when I post, because then I won't go hungry. Bella O'Bella says, hey. Sup girl, how you doing? Gabby 20,055 says, hi, I love your videos. What's your favorite creepypasta? That would be The Showers, a super long and super epic horror story that should have been made a movie a long time ago. Just Call Me Cat says, Oof, you guys have my permission to make that a sound effect if you want. And finally, Soul Stealer 3002 comes at us with the most important message I've heard. Pineapple. Thank you, my fellow stormtrooper. All right, guys, let's dive right into those stories. Number one, Nightmare Farm. Submitted by Harrison H. Growing up in my native county, a lot of strange things happen. We are a more rural area compared to the town that we call home. Living in Maryland, half of it's country and the other half is development. I love where I live, but at times, all the trees, noises, creaks, and bumps they can catch you off guard. This happened about three years ago. It was my job on the farm to go and take care of our dogs that we have outside. You might think it's wrong having dogs sleep outside, but we built a large barn with the help of the Amish, which gives us room for equipment for the farm and a small area for the dogs to have beds and bowls. Back then, we had three labs. Used to have four, but we found one of them a home. These dogs are the type of dogs that are bred for hunting. Even at an old age, they would follow you, sit at your side, or fetch anything that you threw for them, as well as whatever you shot down from the sky. So they're not timid dogs in any way. The barn we built was not very far from our old house. If I had to estimate, I would have guessed it was three quarters of a football field away from the house. Now, that might seem like a long walk, but to us, it was normal, 
as my driveway is called a lane for a reason. It was always my job to take care of the farm animals, including the dogs. Every night at six, I would get up and go feed the animals. This night in question was not much different, though this time I'd lost track of time playing Gary's Mod online with some friends. On my way out, I made sure to grab a flashlight as it was dark out by now, around 8.15. I was a little late. We had been having several storms lately, and thanks to Mother Nature, there was a thick fog rolling in. Other than that, things were normal. All I could really hear were my own heavy, fast walking steps on the rocky road. You see, I'm never that good when it comes to night or darkness. I've got this fear of the unknown, of what might be watching me that I can't see. So when I get up to the main barn with the cows, I head inside. Thank God we have a motion light outside and the light switch inside is so close to the door because the flashlight I had brought was not doing the job. As I brought out the buckets of feed for the cows, they all rushed to the troughs. They were always very happy when you brought them food. As I turned away, I noticed something in the cornfield through the fog, and my heart started to race, and my mind, of course, was thinking of something disturbing or creepy out there. But to my relief, it was a pack of white-tailed deer walking out. I was at first a bit angry as I knew they were eating the sweet corn, but then relieved that it wasn't just something else, something more terrifying. By then, the cows were fed, and I moved on to feed the cats. A while back, people thought it was a good idea to drop cats off at our farm, hoping they wouldn't find their way backs to them, and they didn't. We still feed them, so don't worry. We're not those kinds of people. A few of our cats were already inside, which was strange, as they would usually hang out at night, hoping to catch a few mice running in the fields. And they were a bit more jumpy than usual, but I ignored it. On my way back, I passed by our neighbor's house, the original farmhouse, sad that they had messed up the inside of it. When I made it back to our place, I grabbed a coffee can that I set out to fill the dog's food bowls. With that in one hand and the flashlight in the other, I began to walk towards the dog's barn. The dogs have little gates they run through to get to the fenced outside area, and normally at this time, you'd be barked at like crazy just by passing by. But I couldn't hear a single bark, and when I tried looking with the flashlight, the fog was too thick. I figured it was just late. Maybe they were tired, or just think I wasn't feeding them tonight because I was so late. As I continued my march, feeling a little guilty, I looked around at the tree lines that I could see through the fog, hoping to see a car passing by through the thick hedgerows or collection of trees and weeds that form the border of the property line. I turned my head to the cornfield as it was between the hedgerow and the barn. As I looked into the stalks, I saw two red glowing lights from the field standing still and motionless. At first, my rational side took over. I thought it was just a light from the development next door, but that would be from the back of their house, 
and they wouldn't have any red lights. I doubt their perfect community would like lights like that. So I froze. After realizing that it couldn't be the development, I saw those lights move a bit. As I turned the flashlight to the cornfield, whatever it was made its way further into the field. This was in the middle of a harvest, so the corn was very tall, tall enough to cover whatever the heck this thing was. I turned, rushing to the barn as fast as I could, and that's where I found the dogs, all silent and cowering with their tails between their legs. Apparently, whatever that was outside, it had freaked them out as well, or maybe it was the storm. That's what I told myself so that I could finish my duties. Nervously, I went on, feeding them, keeping my eyes fixed on the old glass window that was added to the barn. I saw a bit of motion outside, and the rational part of my mind just kept saying, it's just the storm. It's probably just the wind blowing some fallen leaves in front of it. Yeah, that's all, nothing out of the ordinary. It was a bunch of bull, and I knew it. Whatever that thing was, it was out there. So I stayed inside, locking the doors as if that would keep me safe. And I did feel better knowing the dogs were with me. In my act of fear, I ran to the shelves where we kept the tools. I knew my father. He was a Second Amendment kind of guy, if you catch my drift. He had all kinds of things hidden everywhere that I could protect myself with. So I got one of the older crank air pieces, something that was fully functioning, but wasn't very strong. But at the very least, I could cause some damage. I sat down on a tractor that we had stored in there, aiming at the areas this thing could enter in at any time. I sat there for a straight 30 minutes, my dog silently eating and drinking water. I waited for a while, scared out of my mind every moment, fully expecting to see something's face in that window or something busting through the door that I wasn't ready for. But after a moment, I could not handle the waiting, so I decided I was done with this. I placed my protection back on the shelf as it was pretty clunky and running with it would be impossible. Then I sprinted to the second door. I swung it open in a hurry and made a mad dash to the front door of our house. And as soon as I was outside, I began to hear the corn stalks next to me breaking, snapping, and something within them was definitely growling. It reminded me a bit of our dogs, our labs growls, but only if it was 10 times as deep the thing sounded huge. The creature must have been the size of a bear, and it was only a few yards away from me in the cornfield to my right. That night, I ran faster than I'd ever run before. I don't think I could have run faster if I tried, but somehow, I survived. I made it to the front door, and I threw myself inside, crazily locking the door behind me. My mother, who was watching TV still, asked me where I'd been. I quickly walked past her, saying that I just fed the cows and I needed to go to sleep. I laid in my bed for a very long time, 
It took all of my courage and several hours just to be able to shut my eyes because I was too afraid to close them. Every little noise that I heard outside, it sent chills down my entire body. Luckily, I got a few hours of rest, and when I woke up the next day, my dad was angry. Not only did he find the protection that I'd used the previous night, loaded with the safety off and leaning against the wall, he found a bunch of his corn stalks pushed over and kicked down and trampled on. I defended myself, telling him that I did the cows late last night and I rushed back home to feed the dogs. He didn't buy it and I was forced to salvage what corn was still on the stalks. I've never experienced anything like this to this day. While I still am slightly afraid of what's out there, my fear has gone away in the past years. The only thing I can say is, if you live in the Delmarva area, always be sure to keep your eyes and ears open. Number two, out of work scarecrows, submitted by Ulashai. I've lived next to an abandoned farm my whole life. I'm 17 now, and I'm looking forward to going to university to study medicine. As you should know with the way the economy has been acting the last couple of years, there have been so many closures of farms. A multitude of farmers have gone bankrupt and have had to sell and move on to something else. It's very unfortunate and sad to hear. The farm I lived next to had always been abandoned, and a couple of months ago, me and my two friends decided to venture into the abandoned farm for a bit of fun. I remember as a child, my primary school took our whole class to visit a popular farm, and I enjoyed looking at the animals and seeing how it all worked. As me and my two friends, Barry and Steve, stepped onto the abandoned farm, nothing felt off or unnerving, but plenty of excitement was running through our veins. We were just talking amongst ourselves as we were covered in darkness and our mobile phones being our only source of light. You could feel the uselessness of the land and you could tell how neglected it was, how it was not needed in society anymore. It was sad, really. Barry came to observe how we didn't come across any broken bottles or used needles or how this abandoned farmland didn't come to be some haven for junkies. It was like it was abandoned, but something was still looking over it. We all stopped for a moment to just take in the atmosphere of the empty farm. The place was huge, and back in the olden days, it used to soar in profits for our area and offered jobs to a number of people. Times have sorely changed, I thought. And that's when we heard something in one of the abandoned barns. We ignored it, thinking it was some nighttime animal playing with some broken farm equipment. There was still plenty of that and barns that were once used to keep in sheep and cows. It was like the farm just stopped one day. It had the same vibe of a ghost town. Steve dropped his energy drink after he had finished it, and I dropped my drink after that. As the three of us walked a little further from our littering, 
We all heard something whiz right past us so fast and so quickly. Mine and Steve's empty drinks had disappeared from the ground, and the three of us decided to throw more things onto the ground to see what happened. We did so, then walked away from our littering once more, and again we heard the same fast whizzing sound moving through the wind. Our litter had been taken away, as if something or someone was keeping the farm clean. Then Barry screamed, saying that he saw someone waving in the barn. The place was supposed to be abandoned, but apparently Barry said that whoever it was went back in the barn as if they were hiding. Slowly, the three of us went towards the old barn. As we stepped inside, it was pitch black. When we switched on our mobile phone's flashlights to help us see, slowly, we made out scarecrows, old, out-of-work scarecrows. And creepiest of all, the one directly in front of us, it appeared to be crying. I had to rub my eyes after seeing this, because I swear, the cloth directly below where its eyes were, it was moist. And the way it was positioned, it looked both desperate and begging. I never knew a scarecrow could look so depressing. But what I didn't expect to see, what any of us didn't expect to see, was that scarecrow to turn its head. As it did, all of us dropped our phones out of sheer panic and fear and when we picked them back up and shone our lights on the scarecrows, they were now all in the same position. All of them looked as if they were crying. They all were in this begging position, somehow portraying a look of desperation in their emotionless faces. My heart was pounding. I kept telling myself that I was just seeing things, that there was no way in this world that I saw a scarecrow's head turn. But seconds later, my fears came true. There was a chanting that slowly built up from a very low whisper to a loud roar all around us. It sounded like old men and teenage boys all chanting the same thing. Please, out of work, homeless, jobless, the sounds and words chanted around us in a ghostly and fearful tone. All of us began to turn in circles, looking in every direction for what was making that noise, and to our mistakes, we took our eyes off the scarecrows. The only thing that made us stop turning around like crazy was when something touched my face. It was itchy like old dried out straw. And as I slowly turned to see what it was, my heart began to race, more than it already had been. I shone my flashlight to the figure in front of me, and of course, what was standing there where it hadn't been before was the crying scarecrow. It towered over me and looked down at me, and as I tried to make sense of what was going on, something landed on my face, a teardrop. It was then that all of us ran out of the barn screaming, 
but we made it only 20 yards before the chanting stopped and we stopped in our tracks looking back towards the barn. Curious, I slowly walked back to the entrance, not daring to step foot inside once more, but I turned my light on and peeked in, and there the scarecrows were, back in their original positions, quiet and alone and sad, but their faces were still moist with the supposed tears they had shed. Chills flowed all over me. Without a word, my friends and I took off out of there. That was the first and last time we'll ever go back to the abandoned farm. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the US. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode on Falconer, New York deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry while Steve, separately, researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in, or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And number three, 80 Acres. Submitted by Brains. I know there are plenty of people who don't believe in God or the devil. I wish I was telling a God-fearing story of how an angelic being appeared and changed my whole messed up life forever. But this is not one of those stories. I'm not sure if God is real, and if he is, I don't know how he allowed such an evil to walk his green earth. That being said, I definitely believe in the devil. I've met his gaze, and I don't think I can ever shake all the hopelessness I saw in those cold black eyes. They were endless pools of black, 
like the light didn't reflect off of them like it did anything natural on this world. They were empty, and now that empty feeling is eating away at me from the inside out, and I don't know how much longer I can deny it. Sometimes I hear that raspy voice in the breeze and the dark. Sometimes I still hear my name called when no one is there. So I used to love small, quaint little towns. Have you ever been to a small town? Well, in case you haven't, I'll elaborate a little bit. I don't mean towns of 16,000 people. I'm talking about the towns that have a population of under 1,000. The kinds of places you'd miss if you drove by them and blinked. They're the kind of places that live in children's books and country songs. Towns where everyone knows everyone. And most of the population is stretched out over miles of rural gravel roads. Can you picture it yet? Towns where you have to have a truck because the creek floods when it rains more than an inch. In the wintertime, these roads remain blankets of white as there are not any plows to come to the rescue unless the neighboring farmer has a tractor and is feeling pretty generous. I grew up on an 80-acre farm in one such small, quaint town. The town wasn't much of a town. I can only imagine that it's considered a town at all because of the local post office and the handful of police officers. I have fond memories of that place. Regardless of the events that have recently occurred, I still can't say I have a hate for it. My grandparents purchased that land and worked hard to get everything that they had. They were God-fearing folk, but didn't necessarily go to church every Sunday. I do recall my grandparents having Joyce Myers on the TV when I would get up most Sunday mornings. My grandparents helped my father raise me. My mother was in and out of the picture, and they were like my second set of parents, a much more stable set. They made me who I am today, and I miss them dearly. I truly think they are what helped keep the darkness away. Before I get into the present, I need to say a little more about the past. My parents had their problems. I could write a whole book about the things that should have and would have been. My parents abused medications. For most of my childhood, they would get messed up at home, and if things got too crazy, my grandmother would come and pick me up which was easy because she lived within a five-minute walk from our trailer. My mother was very drawn to the paranormal, and this has some bearing on why I share this same fascination. She would read tarot cards and dabble in witchcraft. Now, I'm not saying my mother was a full-blown Salem witch, but she has told me she would often participate in spells and seances with her friends. She also didn't have a full bearing on what she was messing with. This, along with unknown things, led to the event I'm going to try to describe to you. I had to have been around four years old when this happened. My parents were suckers and would let me sleep in their bed, even though I had my own bed. I remember waking up to my mother screaming one night. I can't remember what she was saying but I remember the tone in her voice. It wasn't anything I'd heard come from her mouth before. She had me wrapped up in the big duvet 
and I remember the room being so cold, my nose hurt. She had me wrapped up so tightly in the duvet that my legs and arms had fallen asleep. She was in the right-hand corner of the room, sitting on the floor, with me in her lap. The bathroom light was on and flooded a portion of the room with light. The light shone primarily on the bed. My eyes followed the light and what I saw still haunts me to this day. Believe it or not, this is what I remember. My dad was levitating about a foot off of the bed. It wasn't some calm levitation either. He looked like he was being pulled upwards. He was tightly gripping the posts of the headboard and mumbling something I couldn't understand. My mother set me down on the floor and told me not to move and to close my eyes. Of course, I didn't close my eyes. I was so scared, but I could look away. My mom returned to the room with the Bible and began reading a scripture and praying out loud. My father began to convulse and flail about, all while still a foot off the bed and hanging off of the headboard. As quickly as it started, it stopped. My father fell to the bed after his body lurched forward. I don't remember exactly what happened after this, but I quit sleeping in my parents' bedroom after that. As an adult, my mother has told me that she saw it leave. She had called my grandmother when she went to get the Bible. She said it was a very dark shadow. It shot out of my father's feet and slithered out of the cracked window in the bedroom the moment my grandmother walked into the house. This ties into the story later. As I said, the paranormal has always been a part of my life. It doesn't really scare me anymore, but it will surprise me from time to time. But I won't allow it to scare me. However, the thing that I've recently encountered really does scare me. I can feel it in my bones, and it's like nothing that I've ever felt before. After my grandparents passed away, my father and I inherited their 80-acre farm, along with everything else they owned. I came down from the city to help my father go over paperwork and get all the affairs in order. I actually came down the day my grandmother was gone. It was a happy and sad evening. We stayed in the house that very night. We laughed and cried, telling stories about the good old days. The house didn't feel eerie at all. In fact, the feeling of the house didn't change until my grandmother was finally laid to rest. I really think her spirit stayed with us over that week and left after she saw we were going to be okay and her remains were next to my grandfather's. After the funeral, the family all came back to the farm and we ate and reminisced. With each person that left, the house grew colder and I don't mean cold as in the temperature, it's as if the atmosphere just began to change. My father was the last person to leave. He helped me clean up and as he was leaving, he asked me if I wanted to come with him. At that point, I did have a bad feeling about staying on the farm alone, but I declined and I said I'd be fine. He stood there and looked like he wanted to say something to persuade me to leave, but he didn't. I walked him out to his truck and waved goodbye to him. I stood in the opening of the garage door and I lit a cigarette. 
I hadn't smoked for years, but this week had earned me a few smokes. The floodlights were drawing what seemed like a million bugs to the area I was standing. I swatted a swarm of bugs out of my face, and I went into the garage and flipped off the light. It was so dark. If you've never been in a rural area at night, you're missing out. You can see stars you didn't even know existed. I feel like I can actually see entire galaxies out there, but when I turned the light off this time, I didn't feel adventurous. I felt scared. I questioned myself, why am I scared? I grew up here. You've been in this yard when it's dark too many times to count, I told myself, but there was still an uneasy feeling in the air. I flipped my cigarette out onto the gravel driveway, and right as I hit the button to close the garage door, I heard a scrambling sound on the tin roof of the garage. I hurriedly opened the door that led into the living room, and I locked the door behind me. As the garage door was closing, I saw a glimpse of what looked like something's legs. I closed all the blinds and triple-checked that every door and window was locked. I went to the interior pantry and grabbed an old wooden baseball bat. I sat down on the couch with it, and I listened, holding my breath to see if I couldn't hear anything. I didn't at first, and then I heard a thump on the roof with footsteps soon after. I felt my eyes welling up with tears of fear and anger. Then I heard a scratching sound. It sounded like sporadic claws being raked against the siding of the roof of the house. I even heard a sharp squeal of what sounded like something metal and sharp being run across the windows of the living room. I could feel tears sliding down my face. I wanted to call my father, but I didn't want him to be in danger too. I didn't know who or what was out there. The cops wouldn't get here for a while, and when they did, they'd probably tell me I'd been in the city too long, and it was just the sounds of the country. I don't really know what happened at this point, but I woke up on the couch around 6.30 in the morning. The sun was shining through a crack in the blinds, but the house still felt heavy. I put the baseball bat back in the pantry. I grabbed my keys and my purse and hesitated a little when I hit the garage door opener. The door mechanically squealed open and I cautiously walked outside. I fumbled for my pack of cigarettes and lit one and walked out into the sunlight. I walked to the side of the garage to get into my car when I noticed a strange set of prints on the ground. I still really don't know how to describe them. They kind of look like hooves, but that would be impossible. I then decided that it had to have been a large cat and the dry ground had distorted the tracks, that that had been what I heard the prior evening. I went to my dad's house and didn't mention anything that had happened. We still had a lot of things to take care of around the farm. The fields needed to be mowed and most of the items in the house were going to need to be packed up. So he rode back to the farm with me. When we got back to the house, I saw something lying in the driveway. I stopped a few feet away from it and my father exited the vehicle first. It was a lamb. What was left of a lamb? My father looked it over for a moment 
then went to the garage and grabbed a large trash bag. Uh, looks like a stray dog chased this guy from someone else's property, he said, while shaking his head. I knew that no one kept sheep near us, and our land didn't border anyone else's land, but I know my father was just trying to justify the clearly odd situation. He didn't want me to be afraid. We worked around the house, and we were about halfway through the packing and cleaning. We both flopped down at the kitchen table and began to chat. I glanced out the window, and I didn't realize how dark it had gotten already. I mentioned that we should head back to his house. He looked at me puzzled, asking me why I wasn't staying at the farm again. I stumbled over my words, and then he said, well, it's a little spooky out here by yourself, isn't it? He chuckled. We started to go back to my car, and we loaded a few small boxes in my car that had belongings my father was taking to his place. There was rustling in the overgrown hay in the fields, and it was close. I told my dad we needed to get in the car. He shrugged and opened the passenger door. I looked out into the dark field, and I saw a figure standing in the tall hay. I'm five foot five, and the hay was a little over my waist. The hay hit the figure in the field at about the knees. Even though it was dark, I could tell their head was off to one side, like they were tilting their head like a dog that's curious. The figure was very thin and had something on its head. I just couldn't figure out what it was. My father started to get out of the car, but I locked the doors and slammed my foot on the accelerator. Gravel flew at the open garage and a cloud of dust trailed behind us. My father was yelling at me, asking me what I was doing. I looked out of my car window and saw that the hay was swaying behind the car in the field next to me. The thing was chasing us. I could see that in the moonlight, it had horns, but not like a deer. I couldn't place them exactly. I turned my eyes away and my father was staring out the passenger window. He tapped me and turned my gaze to the right. Out in the woods that met the fields, there were sets of eyes, I would say 60 different sets of eyes. It looked like hundreds, but I'm sure that would be an exaggerated amount. My father didn't speak until we were in his house and the door was locked. After speaking about it, we decided that it must have been a deer that was running next to us. The eyes we saw must have been a trick of the moonlight, maybe just lightning bugs. The next day, my father and I reluctantly headed back to the farm. The tension in the air was almost tangible. After working on packing for a bit, my father and I set out on the back porch and looked across the golden fields. Let's take a walk, he said. I unwillingly dragged myself from my seat on the porch. I told him to hold on and I ran inside to grab my boots. I didn't want to take a chance in flip-flops in the field. There was old rusty farm equipment laying on the ground and I didn't want to get cut by it. We started to head back to the entrance of the fields that all of the buildings were on. As we were walking through the fields again, talking about my grandparents, we caught the smell of something rancid. As you've gathered, I grew up on a farm and I've seen and smelled my fair share of decay in the fields. 
My grandfather was an avid hunter and fisherman, so I'd smelled some very terrible smells. This wasn't like anything I've ever experienced. It was like rot and trash and sewer all mixed together and amplified. I started to gag and my father put his hand over his mouth, but soon followed my reaction. We walked towards the smell. We were standing on an open, relatively flat piece of land. My boots suddenly hit something metal under where we were standing and it made a hollow ping sound. My father looked down and then looked at me with a perplexed look on his face. We kicked away the cut hay that had been laid all over the area. It revealed a large square metal plate. Have you seen this before? I questioned. My father didn't say a word, just shook his head. We stupidly decided to move the metal plate because that's a good idea, right? When we did, there was an incredibly deep round hole, almost like a well. It was dark even in the still bright afternoon sun. The horrid smell was the first thing that hit us. It was like a forceful wind of putrid air. My father and I just peered down the hole. Then we heard laughing. It echoed from beneath us in the hole. I started to back up when I saw something in the dark down there. Then we heard a scurrying sound, like something was about to come out of the hole. We started to run, but we stopped, entranced by what was happening. All I can remember are the eyes, all black and sunken into a thin face. I see those eyes every time I close my eyes now. I was on my hands and knees, and we were leaning into the hole with my eyes glazed over, according to my father. My father bellowed to me, move, and his voice snapped me out of my trance and I hurriedly crawled away from the hole. My father somehow lifted that metal plate and slammed it down on the hole. We heard a screech unlike anything I've ever heard before. It was like a barn owl and a panther, but it was so haunting and loud, I put my hands over my ears and my father grabbed my arm and basically drug me to my car. Then he threw me in the passenger seat. We drove well over the speed limit in silence, except for our labored breathing. When we got to his house, he put my bags in the car and told me I needed to go back to the city as soon as possible. He continued to tell me that he didn't know how that hole got there or what the heck was going on, what in the world was about to come out of it. He said that he had seen those eyes before though, he told me the night he levitated, he saw a shadow at the end of his bed. It had a hold of his legs, and it had the exact same eyes. I returned to the city that very evening after I had calmed down. It's been a few months since all of this happened. I think this thing that had possessed, or whatever it did to my father, is coming after me. My grandparents are gone, and there's no one here to protect me. The other day, I was looking in the mirror, and I swear I saw my eyes change for a second. I saw those cold eyes staring back at me. I don't know what's going to happen to me, but I know that if you stumble across an 80-acre farm for sale, don't buy it. 
please, no matter how much it appeals to you. If you do, you might find yourself looking into those black, cold eyes, and I might be the one looking back at you. Number four, Stalked in the Fields by Randis. I used to help out my grandfather on his old farm in Missouri. Usually, he'd pay me for every bale of hay that I helped with, and even at a few quarters per bale, I made quite the pretty penny off of it. There came a day where he asked me to work alone. He had to drive to another farm to talk to a farmer about selling his equipment. I didn't mind. I'd basically grown up there, and I'd never once felt in danger when I was out of my grandparents' farm. But that day, I wasn't as alone as I thought I was. As I walked through the fields, tending to the hay bales that we'd already rolled, I began to hear laughing coming from behind me. When I turned in that direction, I saw nothing, so I thought it was just the wind blowing across some rusty equipment, making a weird sound. So I went on with my duties, but it came again, followed by a shuffling sound. That sound was very familiar to me. It was the sound of footsteps walking through uncut hay. I turned around again, and this time, I swore I saw someone leaning down quickly below the hay. Hey, you're trespassing, I called out as a warning. You'd better get out of here before I force you out. I tried to sound threatening, but I don't think it worked. The laughing continued now. Suddenly, the man stood up, revealing himself from his hiding place. I would have been angry at this situation, some guy playing out on our land while we were trying to work. He could have hurt himself, but as he stood, I felt the life leave my body. The man had been hunkered down, but as he stood, he towered over me at twice my height. He had a hunch in his back, but even still, he was easily much, much taller than me. I couldn't breathe. This was no natural thing I was looking at. Before I could say another word, he literally galloped away on all fours, the awkward way kids do when they pretend to be animals. Later on, when I told my grandpa what I'd seen, he thought it was the funniest joke. So I left it at that. I haven't seen the man since, but if I ever do hear that giggling in the fields once more, I'll probably have a heart attack. And number five, A Quick Terror by Taylor. I spend the night at my uncle and aunt's farm very frequently. It's beautiful out there plenty of nature and quiet whenever my uncle isn't working with machinery. I used to play hide and seek with my cousins in the fields and the barns, but nowadays I don't play as casually out there anymore. Not after what I saw in the barn window. You see, my cousins and I asked my aunt and uncle if we could spend the night in the old barn, like a camp out. They didn't mind. They just asked us not to mess with any of the tools out there and to be safe. We giggled our whole way to the barn, carrying a couple of blow-up mattresses and sheets and pillows, 
as well as a fully charged laptop to watch movies on. It was a fun night. We played Truth or Dare, told very cheesy ghost stories, then fell asleep as we watched a movie. I was the last one up. I couldn't seem to drift off. I was very used to a routine when I went to bed. So suddenly changing from a cozy bedroom to a barn wasn't very pleasant. All of a sudden, I felt this strange sensation. It was so creepy that I found myself too afraid to move. So instead, I searched around with my eyes barely opened. As I scanned the barn, I saw what was making me feel so scared. It was a figure in the window, a tall man's silhouette looking in at us. As soon as I saw him, I tried to scream, but I was too terrified, so much so that I only ended up scratching my own throat. The man then began to open the window, which was apparently not locked, and was trying to climb through for whatever reason. Again, I tried to scream, and luckily, a noise did come out. My cousins flew up, wide awake, and the lights to my aunt's and uncle's house suddenly flipped on. The man knew he was caught. He shut the window. Then I heard his footsteps traveling quickly away. What was he planning to do with us that night? Why did he want in the barn with us? And where would I be now if I hadn't had trouble falling asleep? I used to live around at least three different farms, and let me tell you, after walking around and through them alone, even in broad daylight, it was some of the creepiest experiences. Nothing happened to me, of course, but if it had, I wouldn't have been surprised. Farms are necessary, but creepy places, especially when you find yourself alone in a farm that hasn't been home to anyone for years good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And remember to share your stories with us with the links in the description. And a huge thanks goes out to all my newest patrons. Cindy Manio, D. Henry, Christopher Trusty, Kyla Kelly, Tanya Stinson, Ray Robinson, Zachariah Erickson, Francis Ginote, Heidi Geek Queen, Emily Ann Walsh, Kitty, Brianne Kennedy, Dogzer, Beeper Express, and Brendan Merrick. Thank you all so very much for giving that little extra to support this channel. I couldn't be more grateful for it. As for everybody still listening, stay safe out there and stay creepy.